The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen you know, you just see footage of concerts and everything like that. And it's like, oh my God, like nobody is wearing masks no. anywhere. It's like, oh, that's like, I, <laughs> like I can feel germs just crawling all over me. But, you know, that's par- partly my own, uh, <laughs> my own issues, but also just sort of like, oh man. And like for me, for me, it wasn't like bad at all. So I could totally see like if if I didn't test, it was I was just thinking like, oh, I just have a, like a, a cold. You know, that's all it was. So like, I'm pretty sure whoever I got it from was also thinking the same thing. It's like, oh, right. you know, I yeah. just have a cold, and you know, right. I I knew I knew mine right away. I'm just like, yeah, it felt like a cold, but I was just like, I I, I just spent five days, yeah, yeah. Of, you know, out in the open. I I have it, like no doubt about it. But people probably probably think that concerts give them like herd immunity or something mm. like that because it's this all powerful thing coming together and singing all the songs together that, yeah, sweating on top of each other means that we're all bonded, right? Instead of like all c- contracting each other's germs. That's what happens in concerts, right? We all bond together. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure with uh, monkey monkey pots and mo- monkey pox and mosh pits. <laughs> <All right. laughs> that's fucking great is that a song name an album name uh like an episode of a tv show because we you should coin that like that deserves monkey pox and, and bosh piss that's really funny that's like that's a that's a uh uh i think a uh a biography name monkey pox and mosh pits the yeah. brandon palomo story yeah <laughs> wow Welcome to Season 8, Episode 26 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through every song in the Pearl Jam catalog. I'm your host, Brandon Palomo. Each episode, I go track by track with a guest through every album, soundtrack, single, and b-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon today talking about the lost dog fatal with wait, what? Randy, what are you doing here? What were you but you do do you do the first, beginning of your album, right? It's, this is what we do. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess it's it's since this is a double the start of season twenty-four. Isn't that what this is? Well, this is, we're we're still in season eight, the longest running season of this podcast is a double album and you put this onto yourself, my friend. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. I like to I like to pretend that this is a burden on me, so that hopefully I engender some uh, sympathy or pity from uh, the people listening. <laughs> I don't think you have any of those from me. I, like I said, the listener. You're not the listener. You're the guest. So that's okay. I don't need any. I don't need your pity. Well, <laughs> shit then. All right. Well, you're out one guest for today's episode. I just need your expertise and your passion. I can provide it. There you go. See? Well, the dude abides and Randy provides. There we go. I'm a Lebowski. You're a Lebowski. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, this song is an outtake of Binaural. Hmm, just like another song that we talked about here. I wonder if that's... That's a coincidence it's, or not. Uh, well, I think what it is is that you pretty much, you know, uh, just point your finger to the back of the album and you can pretty much point to any song and say, well, binaural outtake, binaural yeah, outtake, yeah. binaural outtake. It's like covers up what pretty much you can pretty much do, uh, have done one full disc of just binaural stuff with education and as you alluded to, sad and in the moonlight. And the the one the one that I'm very unsure of what era that came from was Sweet Lou Barnarl or was that a different era? Uh, it is technically Barnarl, I think, uh, at least probably. <laughs> Sorry, uh, it, it's probably technically Barnarl, at least that version of it, because I think they also tried it. They had a recording of it during Yield, I think Yield or No Code. They really tried that twice. And said, like, let's get this right. <laughs> Come on. 
You never know. It's that's that's some Jeff pressure right there. It's like, come on, let's try it. Let's let's do it again. I mean, they did it with uh, with uh, with Hard to Imagine. So, well, Hard to Imagine is a great song. Oh well, okay. They had something with it. Sweet Lou is clearly a throwaway track. I don't think if they had any intention on putting it on either of those albums, it was probably dead within minutes of recording it. What about Love the Earth? See, they've tried that a couple times. Well, Ed, Ed uh, allegedly the story is that Ed doesn't like any of the takes and can't get it perfected, which feels weird, but I kind of like that because it's the only place where you will ever get it will be the live stage. Mm -hmm. And that's honestly, if they were to do a studio recording, I would hope not to be disappointed by it because of how great the live version is. So keep it live. They'll play it like they play it. I don't know if they'll ever play it again. Here's to hoping, but... You know, it's it's just a phenomenal song the way it is. So, but anyway, we're talking about Fatal. Uh, you sure? Stone. Yes. <laughs> well, for you know, at least m- m- most of this episode, uh, Stone Gossard wrote the lyrics and the music. talks about this in your lost dog booklets everybody open it up so the page and he says stone brought this one in complete words and all the original chorus said the answers in plato a philosophy reference just couldn't get around it sounding like plato hence the change chad blake's favorite and it didn't make the record feels like chad blake didn't have a lot of say on what happened on this because after they were really done with him Brendan O'Brien came in and kind of polished it up, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I think it was, well, it was the um, the non-binaural songs. Sure, I mean, sure, like, sure, sure, sure. It's sort of like you have the rocking songs. It's sort of like, eh, does it really work sounding like this? Mm. Which I, I think it, it really is a, I think it's a successful experiment on the uh, on the slower, spacier sort of songs and stuff like that i mean if if, yeah like sleight of hand would be the one that defines that sound to me right nothing as it seems like if that was just a straight ahead mike in the left stone in the right would it have that sort of same feeling that it does on the album probably not yeah probably not yeah that's interesting were there any and i actually don't know the answer to this were there any binaural cuts of any of the lost dogs from the binaural era i don't believe so i think they're all stereo okay that's what i thought too i i just you know sometimes that i don't have the uh most proficient ear to figure that stuff out yeah i think i think fatal would be the only one that would lend itself to that perhaps chad blake chad blake says did all the engineering and mixing and everything like that on it yeah but maybe in the moonlight would sound okay with it right Cause that's a little like kind of stompy and possibly like, kind of get a little spacey if you, if you let it. Yeah. But I, I think that like, I don't know, there's not enough, I think going on in fatal to sort of warrant the binauralness to it. No, no, not at all. It's a very straightforward song. And I think it's the, uh, the, the emotion and kind of the vulnerability that the song has, like you can tell, like, you know, this is, this is a, probably one of the best examples of like getting a glimpse into stone, not just stones, uh, songwriting, but his life, like how many stone songs actually have something that you could say, whoa, that's probably about him. And I don't think he, he's ever brought this to the table and said, well, this, this was written because of but it feels really personal Mm -hmm. if you know what i mean and just having it just be like very simplistic with the acoustic sound and 
you know, and Ed's vocals very delicate on it. You know, he's he's tapping into that vulnerability. I don't think you need to add anything to it. It's it's perfect as it is. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do like it live when like sort of uh, in the later era. Uh, first time it was played was at the uh, Benaroya show on October 22nd, 2003. Of course, yeah. And they most recently just played it a month ago, a month or two ago. That was Frankfurt. In, uh, that's Frankfurt, right. Yeah. Because Mike starts adding in a little bit of uh, sort of solo um, atmospherics and stuff like that. episode might as well do it right yeah there you go that's <laughs> listen to ben i listen to the ben and royal one because that seems to be the one that everybody gravitates towards because ben Arroyo is so sacred in and of itself mm-hmm. and you know that that show was the the year wise the 13th anniversary of the first time that uh uh off ramp show mm-hmm. and that also was about a month before the Lost Dog record came out. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a number that uh, was not released and uh, uh, kind of hung around for a bit. And now it's, uh, uh, it's going to come out on this set of B-sides that are coming out. Uh, Now I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go to you on this because I'm not sure of the answer. But before Lost Dogs came out, was there any sort of like one song where Pearl Jam was like, "We're gonna release it as like a half-hearted single to give you a taste of what's on the record," or did you get a track listing beforehand? Did and was this one that had been leaked ahead of time that people have had for like a couple of years and kind of had the knowledge of? Because honestly, I'm not sure about that. I, I know that things had been leaked. I don't know how much and who had what, but I, it seems like that night opened up that song to show everybody what the B-side record was going to be. This song was on a sort of collection of binaural outtakes or binaural demos, I think. Uh, that had circulated uh, the same one that had um, letter to the dead, Mm. like called it that a little tiny, but different version. Yeah. And the light years. Yeah. The other light years version. What was that called? Uh, Puzzles and games. Yeah. It was also on, I believe the collection that people called anywhere in between that sort of came out, I think before lost dogs is a little promotional sort of thing. That, that wasn't from the band. That was from just a collection of fans putting it together. I think, no, I think that that somehow got released by the record company. It could have been like a, uh, like supposed to go to radio stations or something like that. It's sort of like a collection of mostly lost dog songs. But then there was like a couple other ones thrown on there, like around and around or something like that. Yeah. I, f- I feel like I heard about anywhere in between or what, yeah. what, what's it? Anything in between, I believe. Anything, anything in between. Look it up. Oh yeah, I have "Wishing Well" on it, which uh, oh, then yeah, they that's, released later on another uh, that's fan right. club single, and also uh, "No Jeremy." Yeah, anything in between? Um, that's I guess incomplete lyrics on that. In the moonlight, fatal, sad, wishing well, hitchhiker, puzzling games, education, sweet lose, sunburn. Hold on, you got to do a sunburn episode at one point, right? Yeah, maybe it depends. Just a girl alone, brother. Don't give me no lip. B-Girl. Does brother 
Oh yeah, okay. It says different version with vocals. So brother was the not the instrumental on this. Yeah, and also it was a different version from what was released on Redux. Okay, interesting. Don't give me no love. B girl against the seventies, obviously. Uh, Bog or Tugboat from Mike Watt, and then New Jeremy, probably the I guess the Red Rocks version. Being added yeah. that. Hmm. I I never really seen it before. I just know all the songs being as mostly lost dogs and then a couple yeah. thrown in in there as well because this was before you got back into the band or was it after you kind no, of started getting into them? okay yeah so you probably didn't get a chance to get the benaroy of vinyl then right oh hell no 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 no, no. <laughs> it, it even from the point where i got back into the band to like get you know extreme on the 10 club stuff wasn't until maybe oh nine 2010 I was just kind of listening to to them and just loving what I was listening to and trying to, you know, just retain it all. I do remember my dad is very weird. Pearl Jam was like one of those kind of current bands that he knew Mm -hmm. and didn't dislike. So whenever he saw something new from them, he would pick it up and never listen to it at all. Hmm. Like, and I think I do remember, and this might have been, you know, not when the record came out. It might have been closer to Avocado, to be honest with you. I remember him getting Lost Dogs, and he'd be like, oh, it's it's like 25 Pearl Jam songs on one disc. I don't think he knew it was B-sides or whatever. <laughs> and I, I think, you know, this was probably before really digging into them. And I was like, okay, that's nice. And two months later, I'm like, give me that. Give me that thing. <laughs> Injected, injected, injected. And, you know, I, I guess that album does take a while to really learn everything, because especially if you're so used to Pearl Jam Records being so just energetic and just kind of rockers and all that, you know, the normal stuff that they do, then the second disc is really not it doesn't really constitute any of that. It's just like, it's more the mellow side of it all. So Mm -hmm. I, it took me a little while to even, even get to disc two. And when I did, I think fatal was one of the first ones. Cause it's obviously the first track that I was just like, all right, all right. Pearl Jam can do this too. I'm, I'm in, I'm on board. And I guess, you know, all the things that we kind of mentioned before it being, very delicate on the vocals and the content of the song too, which we can get into in a second. Like it's, um, it's just a very polished put together song in the way that it wants to capture a situation and an emotion. And I guess the way that I see it, and I think that it's, it's worded really well, you know, outside of the, the supposed to be Plato part, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, I kind of see it as like, obviously it's, it's a, it's a breakup, it's a divorce. And the, the line that I like in this is uh, too late and too tethered away to put on a suit and his tie. And it's the, you know, the, uh, the protagonist asking the uh, woman in uh, question here, uh, assuming that, like he's just asking all these questions about who this other person is and who's, you know, legit making her happy. And, you know, to, is he too late and tethered to tethered away to put on? And to me, that kind of what it reminds me of, it's like, you know, it's it's I don't want to come off as like a superficial thing, but like you think of what you would do for somebody that you'd love, like you would go and like, you know, at, at go to the functions that she wants to, even though that you hate him, like put on a suit and a tie for her, things that she wants to do. And then, you know, this guy can come around and not be that person kind of like be in and out sort of thing, but she still seems to love him. And I think it's a way of the main character in this protagonist saying, will he do all the things for you that I have always done? Like, will he be there for you in these situations? It seems like he's trying, you know, or ego telling him which way to park. That to me is saying that he's not putting emphasis on her, like the the importance of the, you know, uh, what would you say? The uh, I guess the other male character is not giving her the time of day. He's kind of thinking about himself more than he is her. And it's just kind of a window to say he's going to break your heart at some point. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and just the rest of this, it, it's kind of like 
it's telling the main character's side of the story. And it's also telling the main character almost like foretelling what he sees in the future of this. But then you kind of get, you know, the what would be in the current time feel to it. Like, you know, I, I love the line. I wait up and wake up. It echoes through the mansions. And what I think that could stand for, and you can have a different opinion than I than I can on this, but I, I'm thinking about Stone and I'm thinking about in 2000, 1998, he probably is not affluent, but well situated and probably has a pretty decent sized house. And I, I don't know, like I kind of remember his house from PJ20 and I don't think it was big or anything like that, but he's able to afford these luxuries is essentially what I'm saying. And, you know, to him, it's like, okay, you have everything that you could want and you're comfortable in this situation, but you sit alone in your mansion kind of lonely uh, because you don't have the person that you rely on. You don't have the person that makes you happy. And, you know, I, I, the the line um, when April's in May, and uh, that's reflecting of a little, you know, sign of depression that, Days and months don't really matter if you're not active and you're not treating yourself right, that, you know, time can just be irrelevant. And especially the month of April, especially the month of May, where it's kind of in that hazy area of still rainy, it's still windy, it's not really quite summer, but it doesn't feel like February kind of deal. Like for a lot of people, uh, April's a really bad month for them for that. And it's. Yeah, I, I think that all has to kind of tie in with where the protagonist is. And, you know, you see this him having like kind of a, a long road here to sort of fix himself and better himself from this situation. And kind of, yeah, that's, you know, it's that's all. I, again, I don't know if Stone sees this in another situation and maybe he's not the one that is the character, but it seems so personal to me that I can't think of it any other way. And we don't really know much of Stone's dating life at all. So mm-hmm. it's hard to speculate, but you know, it, it just seems like this is right where you think it would be. Um, the song is pretty much, I guess like two verses sort of back to back and then the chorus into like the end of it, of the, uh, truly out of sight, truly out of mind, sort of the, uh, the ending of it. It is a very straightforward song in that way. There's no sort of going back to a chorus and then going to another verse. Right. The breaks in it are very quick, simple. You know, there's no real bridge per se. The Mm. bridge is kind of another chorus, if you want to call it that. Like when Mike kind of comes in and does that. It's yeah. just so kind of blended in that you don't think of it that way as being pieces. You kind of think of it all being in one. And, you know, going back to Ed and his vocals on this, just perfectly exemplifying what the song is about and what the person that the protagonist, as we're speaking, is feeling in this moment. I think the best part that Ed could do in the song is just the ending. The Is he truly out of sight? Is he truly out of mind? Like, that's... And he's just, it feels like he's almost on the verge of, of tears when he sings that, you know, like it's, it's 
again, super personal Mm -hmm. to all this. And it really makes me feel like it would be impossible for this not to be a true story in some way, shape or form. So then how do you think the original lyric of the answers in Plato feeds into that? That's where, you know, yeah, that's I, I don't know enough about philosophy to say one way or another what it could mean and what it has a bearing on. But I think I guess what it is, is that like you don't have the answer yourself. You have to seek guidance for it. Mm-hmm. And I like I, I think that fits in with the song. And instead of saying fatal, like fatal means it's an absolute. It's an absolute word. It means death. And it's, you know, while the answers are fatal, like the ans- what are you trying to say there? Like the answer, like you don't want to know the answer because the answer will kill you. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're trying to say? Or is it like a less stressful on, you know, kind of I, I wouldn't say tongue in cheek, but using the word fatal as like just it's the end. It's the breakup. It's it's the end. You don't want to know what the answer is because you're not going to like it. So it's sort of saying, you know, just, just move on, yeah. just move on. Stop, stop getting up in April and, and having it be May and, you know, get out of the house, get out of the mansion, I suppose. Well, as, um, the, you know, wrestler who, uh, changed his name to Plato wrote oh, in, Oh, just, you're talking about the philosopher. Yes. Well, yeah, that's, he was, he was a wrestler and, yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, of course, he's from Greece. There, there were all wrestlers in, in Greece. Yeah, and uh, he studied under Socrates or Socrates or uh... Socrates. <laughs> Socrates. Hey, we know that name. Yeah. Hey, look him up. Oh, it's under Socrates. Oh yeah, Socrates. The only true wisdom consists in knowing that you know nothing. That's us, dude. Oh, yeah. And uh, he, of course, he uh, would have uh, dialects with uh, Socrates, I guess, after he was dead. And sort of be like, oh, so uh, like, I'm right, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, of course you're right, because you're writing this. And uh, I'm going to pretend to be Socrates saying that I'm right. And uh, he wrote the book, uh, The Republic, of course, which uh, he one of the things he wrote in it would be that the most perfect sort of society be, would be one where um, philosophers were uh, were the ruling class for, you know, him being a philosopher himself. I'm sure it was just a coincidence that uh, he kind of thought that. Right. I mean, uh, well, really... <laughs> I, I think we're just so used to the people that are in power are usually people that just want power. That's, you know, it, it, it would make sense that a philosopher or somebody of high intelligence would take on the role of leader because you would think that you would trust the smartest person in the world. But it's usually people that don't know what the fuck they're doing and they compensate for that by telling everybody to do everything for them. You know, you know, dictators go. You've seen you've seen it all. (laughs) Going along with your sort of view of it, I guess the the answers in Plato could refer then, I guess, to a sort of platonic uh, relationship then being the result instead of a romantic one. Yeah. Where, you know, it's sort of like, oh, it's just the idea of people and but not. Maybe it's it's not maybe it's not a relationship at all. Maybe you just, you know, completely lose her. Maybe she moves away and you never have communication with her again. And. You know, that that happens when you have breakups. I, yeah, I, I, would, I would love to, like, get, like, one word from Stone about just why, just why this all developed. He doesn't have to tell what the story is, but, you know, I just want him to kind of give a landscape for how he, you know, got inspired to write this. Because I'm sure either way, it was probably, like, you know, very personal to him, as I've been saying the whole episode yeah, I, I I approach this from the from the Plato perspective of this. Like that's because that was how it's originally yeah, written. For yeah, because right? that was the original lyric, and so it's kind of like okay, there's got to be something in that that sort of because you know that's what the answer is. 
and yeah. <laughs> and and also and Ed didn't like that answer, so he changed it. <laughs> they won't because. And then, <laughs> thank you, Play-Doh. Yes, it is non-toxic. Fifteen minutes to gain a pound, or I gotta face another day at work. Bad news, Dad. We're out of food. We're even out of the basic elements of food. You ate all the tarragon, and you drank all the soy sauce. I need a miracle. That looks just like a real donut. Dad, it says non-toxic. Well, that's a plus. But that that's that's how I sort of looked at it and was trying to figure out how that works. Then I guess with the with these lyrics, like sort of Yeah. Uh Plato's big thing was sort of the realm of forms or something like that. Uh, which is the platonic ideal, mm-hmm. so to speak, or whatever, like sort of the the real world is all sort of not necessarily corrupted, but it's not perfect. It's the idea of what you're supposed to be doing is perfect. And in, you know, in trying to create it with your hands or in trying to observe it is where the corruptions and the sort of misunderstandings about things uh, sure. occur. You know, and, and there is, you know, that kind of that kind of makes sense, you know, because, you know, it's like, how do you know the red that I see isn't the red is the red that you see, man? Or, you know, and there's people who are colorblind and everything like that, too. Of course. Yeah. And, and so it's sort of, you know, that sort of like, oh, but there is a red that sort of exemplifies what red is. And so like that. No. What if what if you do you have like uh, the dress with two different colors? What do you do in that situation? Oh, see, well then that's where <laughs> it's the white. No, it's the blue. Oh god, people are fighting about that for days. Yeah, but see, well, the, the people really saw those colors, and right. and you know they saw what they saw, and it wasn't going to change unless they saw another version of the picture that depicted it for their eye differently. Very interesting. Yeah, and so the philosopher would then say, "We'll see the." It's not the colors of the dress that matters. It's the the idea of a dress. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, oh no. It's the true color. You're just seeing the wrong one. And therefore, I know what the right color is. And so philosopher. Yeah. I'm right and you're wrong because truth has to be a thing. And right. so and, 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 I, and I think that sort of that sort of idea of then what is true is sort of being questioned i guess by this song so like how good is he how warm is his eyes warm are his eyes sort of you're looking at somebody and it's like okay is this a good person it's like well what would make somebody a good person is it how they look is it like if they look nice did he arrive and and the the did he arrive too late tethered away put on a suit and his tie that sort of gets me to think this person is late for their job, let's say, and didn't have time to change. And so is, does that mean that that person is bad then because they're late? Yeah. I, I, I see it as being unreliable Mm -hmm. that like, they're not putting the thing that should be in focus and focus. And I kind of see it as like, you know, how, how warm is his eyes? Did he arrive? Like, I think that when you're, out of a relationship and you're looking to who the next partner is, you're looking to see all of the things that you think are better than him that you have. Mm -hmm. You don't try to see what's in him that will treat her right. You just keep thinking like, oh, he looks like that. So I look better than him. I'm more, you know, I, I, I keep up my my appearance you know i don't don't look like kind of a uh, scum and i think a lot of people when you think of like the the new guy coming in you'd think oh that that guy's probably a scumbag kind of deal just because you don't want anything to do with him that's that's an immediate enemy Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i think that has a little bit to do with just having that perception and almost as if you were always going to have that perception and you're always going to find because it, it, it makes yourself feel better by calling this person out and coming up with all these negative things that you might see on the outside that internally of who the person is. You're never going to get that because you're never 
going to end up in the situation where you get to to know each other because you've already decided that you have no interest in knowing who this person is unless you have the girl back. Yeah, and put it, put, you know, suit and ties, like, well, they're somebody's well dressed. So, oh, that means that has to mean something about them, you know, because they have a suit and tie. So they're of a certain social status or something. Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I think that's like, you know, how it's kind of like the, the old saying, like, you dress for the job that you want. And mm-hmm. like, do you, you know, dress for the partner that you want? Like, or you dress for the the partner, how the partner wants to see you or something like that. And like, you think, you know, going out to a nice restaurant or something like that, like you would wear something nice out. Maybe this guy that is the the new guy that's too tethered away will just say, fuck it, we're going to in and out burger or something like that. You know, like he won't do the special things that she deserves to have in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing here that's like anti the woman that's yeah. anti. Yeah. I don't think she's an antagonist at all. It's kind of like a, does like he honestly sees everything in her and wants her for himself and is kind of upset with himself that he's not a different person mm-hmm. that's going to attract her. Like it, apparently he didn't have to put on a suit and a tie to a tracker, you know? Mm-hmm. So his definition of what, matters in this situation is different than maybe her perspective of it yeah harder ego telling him which place to park and play like uh, the the first three lines you know eyes reprise tie and then you've got out right what's that that doesn't rhyme with any of the other <laughs> ground gr- gr- grounds dis- dis- dismissal there's no rhyming <laughs> the other i i <laughs> you lost me you lost me man if you were to say his ego telling him which way to park saying like you know it, it's so like just kind of nitpicking and things it's like telling like, him uh, you know he's not I like think you know like are you uh, going to park you know where are you going to park are you going to park in a handicapped space that's right up in front because you know that's sort of your I ego when you want to park where you want to park or are you just are you going to park where you're supposed to no i think it's the idea of not being open enough to suggestion like if you're in a parking lot and say that it's tougher to get out of the lot because there will be a lot of people in there we're breaking down parking lots on this podcast people that's how deep we've <laughs> dug into this um it's 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 just sh- are coming up you know you're going to have to be thinking about that when you're parking uh, and then right. it's like oh it's time for the show to leave and sure. you know it's going to oh crap it all comes around i think it's it's the idea of not taking suggestion to mind and kind of putting yourself and what you think is right before what somebody else may bring to the table and honestly maybe right about I, I i think i'm that kind of person sometimes where i'm just like oh yeah i know what i'm doing and my wife tells me no you don't and i'm I'm good about like noticing it and being like okay I, i'm i will do uh, what not do what you say i will like i'll follow that direction because i know that if if you're saying i'm wrong i'm probably wrong mm-hmm. but that's 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 the give and take in a relationship right that you have to kind of know yourself and if you think that you're above all that then that's grounds for dismissal outright well, it's the message is hardly grounds for dismissal. Oh, the message is yeah. hard. And the, 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 Clearly that kind hardly. of gets to where hmm. my sort of look at this song comes from is, is it's not a relationship. It's sort of somebody who is down on their luck and has a sign saying, you know, need cash or something like that uh, the message people will see that and be like okay well they're they're here for some reason they're unhoused so it's their own fault they did something to deserve where they are and you know that's the you know how good is he how warm are his eyes sort of the whole well if they're in this position they're not a good person because a good person would have a job and would be in a good place in life and not sort that's of- also perceptive of 
what the protagonist is putting out there. Yeah, and sort of like what is, you know, if you're looking at the platonic sort of form of what is the difference then between somebody who is down on their luck and somebody who has a good place in life, what is the answer? The answer is in Plato. The answer is fatal. Sort of there is no difference. That's They're both human Wait and they're alive. Did Plato get his name from Pl- Platonic? Did Plato get his name well, he, from they, Platonic? They, they named that after him. Was it? Because Plato, Plato okay. means like table or broad, and he was a wrestler, so he kind of uh, had yeah, wide I shoulders. And so he's like, Plato, my right. name. So did he never have a relationship that add in that everybody in his life was just platonic relationship to him? Uh, that's that's how he s- sort of saw the 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 philosopher king's ruling would have. They would have no they would have no possessions and they would live all together communally and forego romantic relationships and just sort of bro down with each other and uh wrote down with some philosophy with the plato and the socrates <laughs> and aristotle don't forget him diogenes you know where have we gone where have we gone wrong <laughs> so i had to i had to read up a lot I had to do some uh, some uh, philosophy cramming before i uh yeah that's that's not the route i, I took to because i knew that i was never gonna <laughs> figure that out so i just i just broke through the song as much as i could but yeah, that's how that's 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 how I roll because I'm a nerd. Hey, I, I'm not saying I'm not a nerd. <laughs> I'm just saying a nerd comes in so many different forms, right? Oh yeah, that that's that's sort of how I came in and out of sight, out of mind. As the you know, you ignore somebody who's on a street corner or something, and you don't have to think about them. You know, you don't want your multifamily homes yeah. built in your neighborhood. You just want single level. You know, all this stuff, you want them out of sight, out of mind. You, you, you know, you just want your own neighborhood and you want to believe that you're. I just want to on this podcast and talk about this song. That's all I want. Because clear, clearly, hardly we have stuff to talk about with it. Um, so do you think that this had, do you think this could fit in on Binaural? Yeah, I do. And I think that if. I think it's kind of you have to mess around with it a little bit because if it's binaural as is now and just plopping it down everywhere, anywhere, probably not. But if it's refigured, which I've done mm-hmm. in my head about 300 times, then my perfect slot for this song would be the opener for side B. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking about like maybe insignificance closes side A and then, you know, it's like that that song has so much like build and intensity and you know it's one of the best songs on the record and then you transfer into fatal which is just a complete opposite of that that like the range of emotions blend in so well together and you're kind of like is this an album that's anti-war or is this an album that's more relationship kind of heavy Mm -hmm. and that's honestly a question that probably is already being asked in the album so yeah do you think it takes a place then of one of other one of stone's other songs thin air of the girl as sort of the the slow stone song i i like of the girl and that one's a tough one to keep in if you're adding in some of the outtakes here and there um and i try to but then again i think to the point it's like we have a big mic moment in nothing as it seems and that one kind of gets Mikey, but it's it's still Stone as well. Yeah, it's probably about as much as we have for this song. Um, <laughs> I think we've exhausted it. Let's see, we're here at the end of August. Pearl Jam is going to start playing live again. You got that would that, be fun. That, yeah, that means you got things coming up, right? Yeah, you're going to be busy. Yeah, I'm going to be very busy, and I'm just totally not prepared for it at this moment of speaking, but. It'll all be fly by the seam of my pants, I'm sure. I'll be at, well, I'll be in the building for six for definite. I'll be at seven. That's, of course, the seventh being Apollo. And, you know, I'm still looking. But, yeah, I'll be in Toronto. Toronto's on my birthday. So looking forward to meeting up with some friendly Canadians on my birthday. And uh, I know some people that have decided to throw a get-together, even though it probably won't be about my birthday but hey i just enjoy the fun don't need a birthday celebration 
MSG, um, you know, setting up some pre-party stuff. Uh, I don't have a bar at this moment. I'm sure when you're listening to this on April, oh, sorry, April's May though, uh, on <laughs> August 29th, whenever this comes out, I'll, you know, if you follow on Facebook and stuff like that, I will have a definitive answer for that. I'll probably have one about two or three days from when I'm speaking here, but there will be a little party. And I'm also uh, right now, like um, raising some funds for recreating the breath campaign mm-hmm. where, you know, we're just getting signs printed. And honestly, it's it's not like begging for the song as it is as much as it's showing the band that, you know, we care about their history and we, you know, kind of can give them a moment to recelebrate because it's on the anniversary date and you know that they're going to bring it up. They have a lot more important stuff to bring up, I'm sure. But it feels like it's a moment that we can kind of recreate and have fun with and then, you know, create a new one with this version. So, um, you know, uh, uh, if, if you're interested in that, then uh, either reach out or just send me, a, you know, uh, any dollar amount that you want on Venmo. And then I'll put you into a uh, raffle that we're doing to give away some posters and some other prizes. So that should be exciting uh, at Live on Four Legs on Venmo if you want to donate. And then Nashville, I'm sure we'll be doing stuff. There's a lot of people going to Nashville, so you can't you can't get around that. Louisville, I think that's going to be the day where we just take a breath and sit in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's Camden, too. And there's been talks about just doing a big tailgate for Camden, which is kind of fun. That's really the only one that I'll be. Well, I'm going to Toronto by car, but I won't have my car at the the arena. But that's the only one where there will be. I will go by car and there will be one to tailgate for. So you tell them which way to which which place to park. (laughs) Of course, <laughs> of course, the ego, the ego will direct everyone. And, and St. Louis is probably the most important one of the group because it is our hopes and brews in the loo event that we're doing. And we have some cool things going on. Um, Tanya from Pearl Jam Fan Portraits is going to be there and revealing her book and showing off her gallery. And if you haven't seen her on the road before, what she does is she gets kind of intimate with a a fan and learning about like their relationship with the band and taking a lyric and writing it on a sheet of paper and taking a picture of it and it's not like if i I mention it that way then you might be like oh well that's just not much of anything but no it's kind of like you're digging into something that means something to you and that lyric on that sheet of paper is is more than just something that you heard in a song so I think that that's what the book is supposed to kind of elevate. And um, I'll, I'll be doing my first one for that as well. And she's going to do an additional gigaton chapter. So she asked uh, some of her friends to add on a gigaton song. So I will be adding a gigaton song on to that. Uh, but also we'll have a cover band there called Rearview Mirror. And they will be playing from front to back the full unplugged performance. Hopefully the actual as it happened and not the TV cut. And I'll be doing some interviews with people, too. Uh, it's it will be September is Mental Health Awareness Month. And we'll be raising funds that day for AFSP, the Missouri chapter that is American Foundation for Suicide Prevention in uh, September, which will be a mental health awareness month and tied into, I guess, uh, some of the photos that Tanya will be taking that day. Usually people pick lyrics that have some sort of connection with them that can, you know, have some sort of bearing on what happened in their past. And uh, just kind of talk about how, um, you know, just be vulnerable with, with the stories there. Like I'll be, you know, telling stories, I'll be vulnerable with mine and, uh, that's what we're going to do when we interview people, kind of t- tie in all together. So it'll be a really good time and uh, for a really good cause. So I'm excited for it. And I really hope that we get to see everybody that's listening there. That's going to the show, obviously. Yeah, it's 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 the, the show is almost secondary. Seeing Pearl Jam is almost secondary to just the experience and being around people. And I think so, because, I mean, you can always just listen to the, the you can just listen to the CDs at home. I mean, you have I can't. To, I don't have a CD player. Well, or streaming, or whatever you do, put on your vinyl. How's that? 
and of your your indie and I don't know your noise canceling headphones. How are you gonna do that in front of your fireplace? I don't know what you're doing. You have no idea what I'm doing, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) No, and to that point, like what we did in Sacramento, just it felt like nobody was really taking it on the chin at all that we afterwards kind of all huddled up together and, you know, spent some time with each other and enjoyed each other's company. And it was really all like laughs and smiles at that point after something that a lot of us spent a lot of money to go and do. You know, we we somehow found a way to make it a positive moment. And that whole weekend in Sacramento and Vegas was. Yeah, but this time the shows will actually be happening, too. So I'm not. That's why I'm saying they are going to happen. I have a feeling. Look, after what happened in Europe, I do not think that this band wants to chance any of that shit. I think the bubble will be even tighter for this. And yeah, yeah, hopefully nothing happens. Randy, good talking with you. Yeah, as always. And uh, we'll see. We'll see you at the movies. Wait, no, that's uh, that's or the, the, the balcony is closed. Wait, no, wait. How do I wrap this up? Um, I let's all go <laughs> to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Sing it with me. <laughs> Better Brand Podcast was produced by Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Better Band Pod. I am on Twitter at Brandon P. B R A N D E N P. If you would like to support this podcast, you can go to either ko-fi.com/slash Brandon P. or Patreon.com/slash Brandon P. You can also just give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, but don't forget to tell your friends. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send me insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Randy, and as always, this is Brandon saying, Nobody snuggles with max power. You strap yourself in and feel the G's. <laughs>